Panay, and nobody asked any questions. <laughs> it's like awkward. It's okay. Um, I have a grandchild that has chosen an ungodly relationship, homosexuality. Um, how can you love yet not condone their behavior? Love this question. My favorite question. Picked it first. Loved it. Um, well, the way that you, the, the answer is going to seem sort of cliche. Um, <clears throat> how can you love yet not condone their behavior? Perfect. And love is the answer. Jesus is the answer. So the way that you love is, um, the way that you love anyone in any relationship is the same way that you love someone that, if you just think of it this way, everyone is different than you. Everyone. So whether they're homosexual or any other differences, everyone is different. So, so don't, don't think of a, if, if in your mindset you can take away sort of the, I'm speaking to everyone because if you don't have gay friends or relatives, you will because it's very trendy. Um, and, and ultimately think of it differently. Think of it as an identity crisis that they're in. Um, and they may have been in this identity crisis since they were very, very, very young. And the enemy has told them lies their whole life and they believed it. See, a lie has no power until you actually believe it. And so don't be afraid of people that have believed a lie. Uh, they believed a lie uh, in regards to their value and their identity. And that's always where the enemy will attack is your identity. Remember I told you yesterday how important your identity is? And so, so just think of them as somebody who's just had an identity crisis. But don't be afraid of it because fear will ruin the whole love thing, which is what you need to, to have a relationship with them. So, but if you're afraid that they're going to continue to be gay, or if you're afraid that they're never going to understand that it's wrong to be gay, then that's going to mess the love, and they won't feel loved by you. So, um, so you cannot have any fear, no fear. Um, and then, then the way you connect with them is, um, oh, it's fun. You be creative. You invite them out to dinner. You take them tanning. You buy them lunch. You go shopping. You connect with them the same way you, do, you connect with anybody. You do things they like to do. And by the way, that's the same way to connect to anyone, any of your grandchildren, not just your gay grand grandchildren. You do what they like to do. So if they like to play baseball, then you watch baseball or you go to a baseball game. If they like to go shopping and decorating or tanning or like whatever, then you go do that with them. Whether they're boys or girls, it doesn't matter. Whatever they like, you do that with them. And that's the way that you connect with them. That'll help them feel loved by you. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, if you think it, it, it's bait, so be creative. Get the bait, fish them in, reel them in. And while you're connecting with them, they're going to say things that, that, that confirm the fact of what you already knew, which is that they're walking in deception. And that's okay. I'm, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of hanging out with um, people or family members that are walking in deception. In fact, I want to hang out with them more because they need love more. And the more I hang out with them, the more opportunities I have to sort of speak truth in there when they're really not paying attention I could, like, pat them on the back and say, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of deception over them. And they don't even know that I'm doing that. But I'm not going to be able to do that if I'm not with them. So, um, and really, the only time that, like, without condoning their behavior, you're, loving them doesn't condone their behavior. And um, recently, I was hanging out with a, of a, with a homosexual. And so he was talking about, um, about his wedding someday and how he wants his family to come to his wedding someday. And so I was like, uh, I'd say a word about it. Because in my mind, I'm going, oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. You have no idea the power of prayer, you know. And so, so he's saying that. I'm saying, in the name of Jesus, that's a lie that he's believing. 
And what the lie that he's believing is that he can have a gay marriage that will be fulfilling to him. And, but he doesn't, but I know that that's a lie, but he doesn't know that that's a lie. And you cannot talk someone out of deception. It's a spirit, it's a lying spirit that they have chosen to believe, but it's really great when you're with them and hanging out to go, oh, yes, in Jesus' name, I break that power right now. Holy Spirit, you come right now. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to him in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? And like, you're just like thinking this, and you're going, yeah, uh-huh, great. Everybody, and I was brought in, everybody wants to be married. Everybody needs someone to spend the rest of their life with. So I, I come back with truth, but I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll be at your gay wedding. I believe in gay wedding. Yeah, I, I don't believe in gay marriage, for, but, but I never tell people. In fact, I work for a state program called Together in Texas, just premarital counseling, and the first time I got a phone call, um, or an email, I don't remember which one it was, but I had to call them back. They're like, yeah, um, as soon as gay marriage was legalized in our nation, um, <laughs> on, my, on my forms that I fill out uh, for, for a marriage license, um, it says participant and participant instead of husband and wife. And I was like, oh, I hate this. And I was like, that's okay. I'm going to get them. You know, so... I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of a form being changed. We're going to get this. You know, so, so if I would have um, a gay, well, so this gay couple was asking for premarital counseling. I was like, sure, come on in. I'd love to, love to talk with you. Well, when, am I, when else am I ever going to have a chance to talk with them? If I'm like, no, I don't do premarital counseling for gays. Sorry, don't believe in that. Well, then I've just ruined my opportunity to fish, you know, and I want to be a fisher of men, so. I'm not afraid of this, remember? So I said, um, no, sure, come on in. And then um, they didn't actually come in, and so I'm not sure they may have even broken up before they made it to my office. But had they come in, here's what I would have done. (laughs) I would have started talking to them about biblical principles, but they don't know this, biblical principles of um, relationship, okay? And then when it came time for them to um, plan their wedding, I would have been like, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to really recommend that you guys get married because ultimately, psychologically, it's not in your own best interest. So after talking with y'all, I really feel like, um, you know, as a counselor, it, I, need to, I need to recommend that you guys take more time to think about this, don't think it's in your own best interest. And here's why. Because in the Greek, love actually has four words. There's uh, agape love, phileo love, eros love, and um, storge. And um, you guys have, remember I'm talking to the gay couple, you guys have, in my mind, because they haven't actually shown up. You guys have, um, you guys have phileo, Love, you've got this really close friendship bond. Great. It's, it's important. It's a wonderful thing to have a good friend. You guys have, um, you guys have eros. You've got that erotic love for each other and that passion and chemistry and that sexual love with each other. You have that. Um, but agape and storge, it's, it's not really available to you. And the reason why storge is that love that is, uh, a love that comes when two people make a child together. And you might say, well, what about people that are infertile? It comes when people, when a husband and a wife can connect in the way that their bodies were intended to connect. 
and then it's fruitful. Um, and, and that is when there's the really ultimate bond. So you guys aren't going to be able to do that the way that it was intended to do. And then um, agape love is the, is the love that God gives us. And then I would read um, Paul, you know, just explain to them the love that God has for them and the perfect plan that God has for life and their, the identity that God has in them. Well, now, as an LPC that works for the state, lives of professional counselor, I wouldn't really have the legal right to do that. But I found a loophole as a licensed ordained Christian minister I have the right to share the gospel to anyone and everyone, and I have the right to offer my opinion. So anyway, I have it all figured out, so I'm just waiting for the next opportunity. So anyway, I'm ready. But you know what? When you're afraid of it, then, then people don't feel loved by that. So I hope that that, I hope that answers that question. So for your grandchild, yeah, do, have them over for dinner, go shopping, do things that they like to do. And ask the Holy Spirit for revelation and cast out the demonic spirit deceiving spirits that have um, caused them to believe a lie about their identity. Okay, dear Trina, what are the keys to keeping a long-lasting relationship? Um, marriage. Uh, the key is maturity. Um, and maturity is, well, I'll tell, you why, I'll tell you why I said the key is maturity. I've got to go to the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, which is uh, the love chapter. At the end of that love chapter, and I periscoped about this last night. I periscoped twice today at noon and 9, Texas time, and 1 and 10 here. So you can get the app and follow me on Periscope twice today. And um, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I talked about this last night for about five minutes there in the reception area. And we tend to stop before the part that I think is the key. To a marriage relationship, and every relationship, by the way. Um, three things that will last forever. Remember, the question was the key to a long-lasting relationship, okay? So here are the three keys that the Bible says. The three things that will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So for in 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love, and we're talking about agape love that's actually supernaturally possible to have through the power of the Holy Spirit. Apart from the Holy Spirit, I do believe it's not possible. I do. Um, because things, things in the natural, um, in all circumstances, to be patient and kind and not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, to not demand your own way, to not be irritable, to keep no records of wrong. You know, this is um, to not rejoice about injustice, but rejoice when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. The only way that that is possible is, is by full surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit to work in and through you because it is not logical. In the natural, it is not possible. It is the God I love. It is in the supernatural. And, um, but the key, the key is maturity, and I have got that from verse 11. So right before we go into chapter 14 is the trick here. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Here's the key to a long-lasting marriage. You have to grow up. You cannot stay a child throwing tantrums, being selfish. I want it my way. And that is childish behavior. And you, you cannot be in a relationship with someone and continue with childish behavior. So the key to agape love, the key to love, the key to a long-lasting marriage relationship, the key to any relationship is to grow up. And the thing about maturity and growing up is... 
It is spontaneous, but is not inevitable. Let me just tell you the, what, that, what I mean by that. Um, it will happen naturally and spontaneously as a, res, as a natural result of submitting yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit and to really surrendering yourself fully. I'm glad that you, this audience, understands that. I don't have to explain it any further. You get it. I could tell by the way that you are worshiping, you get it. However, um, everybody, everybody will grow older, but not everybody will grow up into maturity. In order to grow into maturity, you must take personal responsibility to make a choice. I'm going to quit acting like a baby, complaining, whining, crying, being dissatisfied, you know, wanting more, 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 me, 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 um, tantrum, 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 you know, being impatient, unkind, and all those things that, that babies do. I mean, I've got 10 grandkids, trust me. They, they haven't grown up yet, let's just say. Um, but you know what? I, I am proud to say um, that by the grace of God and because my four children have embraced the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, they are not only adult children, they are mature adult children, and I can tell that because their lives are fruitful, and, um, and, and that's, that's beautiful. Did they answer this question? Everybody tell me what the answer is. What is the key to a long-lasting relationship and marriage? The key is to Yes. If you need to be reminded, go back to 1 Corinthians 13, but don't stop. Continue on to verse 11, all the way down to the end of the chapter. Three things that will last forever, faith, hope, and love. Faith in the power of God and the Holy Spirit. Hope, I love to use the acronym HOPE, have only positive, I'm going to say expectations, but instead of expectations, I'm going to say expectancies. Because when we have an expectation, it creates an entitlement mentality. Even with God, I have an expectation of healing when I pray. I have an expectation of you answering my prayer the way I want. Okay, that's an expectation. An expectancy is, God, you are who you say you are. You could do what you say you could do. I am who you say I am. I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Therefore, I have an expectancy that all these things are going to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I have an expectancy that no matter what, I don't have to be afraid because I can trust you no matter what. So I have an expectancy. It's all going to be okay. Somehow, some way, in the end. I don't know if it's going to happen before eternity, but it's going to be okay. And I have an expectancy that love will not fail. Period. That's an expectancy, not an expectation. So hope. Have only positive expectancies. So you got to believe. Be very positive. Okay, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Okay, and that's agape love that is being talked about right there. Love that question. Um, where do you draw the line in trying to stay in a relationship uh, when there's abuse and red flags? And I know that the person that asked that just walked out, so I will answer that in a minute. Um, grace versus law. Grace covers sin. Uh, how does the grace cover sin? Okay, I'm going to refer to a couple of scriptures here. And I'm going to refer to Revelation 3.20, which actually I sort of referenced a minute ago when I was talking about that song. That is the scripture that's talking about Jesus standing at the door knocking. I love Revelation because I'm a bottom line kind of girl. The Bible is a big book. 
with so many details. And sometimes I'm like, I'm going to forget what, what it says. And I don't know where to find everything. So I love, I love the bottom line uh, things that Jesus says. Um, so Revelation 3, verse 20. Look, I stand at the door, says Jesus talking, and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, um, I will come in and I will share, we will share a meal together as friends. Okay, so look, I stand at the door and knock. If, if you hear my voice, okay, it's my voice, it's if, um, then uh, you will open the door and I will come in. You know, a lot of people are standing inside going, I don't need you to come in, I'm fine. House is good, house is clean, doing good, life's good, don't need you to come in, it's all great, it's all good, good, don't need you to come in, it's just fine. You know, and it's like they don't bother saying, I have a need because this is a disaster in here and I am failing big time. I need you to come in. I'm not going to be victorious unless you come in. Jesus, the victor, come on in, (laughs) okay? So there's a mindset of needing him to come in when you open the door. Those who are victorious will sit with me on the throne just as I was victorious and I sat with the Father on his throne. Just as I was victorious, that is really powerful right there. Because Jesus was victorious because he surrendered his feelings, like we talked about yesterday. He did not feel like going to the cross, but he's like, I don't feel like going to the cross right now. But my identity is that I want to be a son that honors my father, and this was the plan. My identity is I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to stick to the plan. So I'm going to go to the cross even though I don't feel like it. So he was victorious by by doing something he didn't feel like doing, um, and he sat with the Father on the throne. So anyone who hears um, with his ears must listen to the Holy Spirit and understand what he is saying, which is to say, come, 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 come. Revelation 22. So hold that thought, hold that thought, hold that thought. Um, all those who are victorious will inherit all of these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. Okay, all those are victorious. So how does grace cover sin? Easy, Jesus. Easy answer, Jesus. So it's not the only way that grace covers sin is because Jesus is gracious. The Father was gracious to him when he was not feeling it. Jesus is gracious to you. The Father is gracious to you. When we are not feeling it, they are gracious. However, the only way that it's going to be covered is when you wash your robes. Then it's covered. So you receive the grace by believing in the power of Jesus. When I say believe in the power of Jesus, you believe that you are loved, significant, and secure in him. You bother to open the door and say, I need you, and then you wash your robes. Okay. So I hope that answers that question. I know it's a different kind of answer than what you were expecting, but um, that's the bottom line to me. Because I think that people get really, listen, let me tell you about sin. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So yesterday I talked about sin, and I was really challenging you to, to take sin seriously. The wages of sin is death. However, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you, if you stay in a place of denial, of, I'm not sinning, I'm fine. I don't need to repent, I'm fine, I'm good. Then, then, you don't have an op- then that mindset is a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. A fixed mindset is that things just are the way they are, Okay. Um, a growth mindset. So either I'm good or bad. Either you're good or bad. Either I'm gay or straight. Either I'm smart or dumb. Either I'm, um, you know, pretty or ugly or whatever. It's this, it's this fixed mindset. 
And a fixed mindset is not biblically correct. And it's a, it's a growth mindset that is biblically correct. And it's a growth mi- mindset that actually is what causes you to be psychologically healthy, intellectually healthy, emotionally healthy, is a growth mindset. So, so if you see that, and, and we can have both. We can have a fixed mindset in some areas, and you'll hear yourself saying things like, like I said recently when I was going to a CrossFit class, I'm not an athlete. Okay, that's a fixed mindset. I'm not an athlete. Well, is someone just born an athlete? It's like, well, I mean, people are born with natural gifts and talents, but a growth mindset is I'll take what I have and I'll grow and I'll nurture it and I'll, and I'll steward it well and I'll tend to it and I'll grow and hey, I'm lifting more weight than I ever lifted in my life because I decided to shift that mindset. I caught myself with a fixed mindset. I, this lady was talking to me earlier. How a lady said last night, I forget what, who it was. You can raise your hand if you want. She had a fixed mindset, and she read my dad's book, and and it caused her to switch to a growth mindset of, hey, just because I never could memorize numbers before, and I always said I just can't memorize numbers. I'm not a numbers person. She was like, oh wait, I can memorize numbers. I might have to try a little harder, but I can memorize numbers. Why should I say I can't memorize numbers? That is silly. That's a fixed mindset. I can't. A growth mindset is I can't. I might just have to try harder. So, so you have to have this really growth mindset to say, hey, look, I, I, you know, I once was blind, but now I see. I'm, I'm growing into this place of grace. Because honestly, y'all, sin is not a problem because Jesus already covered it. But the problem is, is when people want to admit their need. So anyway, I'm talking too long. I know this. Um, if anybody needs to use the restroom, please. I won't feel bad. Go up, use it, come back. I, I, is it time for a break, a potty break? Okay. I know your bladders are probably getting full. Minus. Okay. T- TMI. Sorry about that. Um, when did you realize that? Um, oh, this, this is a good question. Um, Tiffany asked me this last night, and I said, remind me tomorrow. When did you realize that you needed to change? Because I was a victim, and I was just thinking that I was just a victim, and I didn't need to change because I had done everything that I was told to do. I had done everything right in my marriage. So um, it wasn't until, well, it was a slow process a little bit of me surrendering. It actually came one moment, a few different moments of the Holy Spirit. Um, I mean, begging God, God, am I missing something here kind of thing? Because my life's just falling apart, and... I mean, I know it's all his fault, but I don't understand if he's just dragging me down because we're one or if I had something to do with it. I just don't know what to do. So I was asking God all these questions. And um, there was a song, a Hillsong song, and you may sing it here at this church sometimes. It's a beautiful song, Hosanna. Um, Hosanna in the highest. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. And I was like, yeah. Show me how to love like you love me because I guess I wasn't getting it because I thought I was a good wife. But if my husband doesn't think I was a good wife, well, then I must not have been. <laughs> it's like it's one thing to say, I'm a good wife. I'm a good mom. But your kids need to say you're a good mom. <laughs> you know, your husband needs to say you're a good wife. You know, it's like it, that's not something you can just, you know, you, it, it's got to come from them. So I was like, show me how to love how you. And it's just like, um, heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Obviously, I'm deceived to thinking that I'm a perfect wife and I'm just a victim. So open up my eyes because, honestly, I don't see it. Like, I don't see it. What did I do? What did I not do? I don't see it. Open up my eyes. So that was the first step, and that's when he opened up my eyes to the pride that I shared about yesterday. 
And then the next time, so that was a journey. And actually there was many songs that the Lord used to um, minister to me during that time. And then uh, another moment, and I was very mad. I talked to you about the finances. Uh, for those of you who didn't and know the end of my story, um, someone had missed it yesterday. I've been married for 33 years, and our marriage has been fully restored, like 100% since 2009, like 10 million percent. I don't even know how to say. But, um, but um, I was really mad about the finances because our house was going to be foreclosed by 5 o'clock the next day. Some of you, Tiffany, I know you read our story and you, you, from James's perspective. Last January, my husband wrote down and, and Tiffany had asked for it and circulated. It's on my website. Um, and that's really the only reason why I can share our testimony so freely is because he's already shared it. And so since he shared it publicly, then that gives me permission to share it without it just being like ratting, ratting him out, you know, because it's his own story because they're connected. So last January, he shared it, and that gave me an open door to be more open about sharing our story. Um, so I was on this prayer walk, and on this prayer walk, I was just mad. I was mad that we were broke, and I was mad that I was stupid. I'm like, I am so stupid. I hate being stupid. How could I be so stupid? You know, I'm just like, ah. You know, you know, to loot, we had, we had plenty of money, and then we lost it all, and I just felt stupid about everything. So I felt unloved, insignificant, for sure insecure, and um, I was like, security is my number one need, and I don't have any security. And God's going, Trina, really? And I was like, I hate living by faith. And I just was on this prayer walk thinking, I might as well say it out loud. He knows I'm thinking about it. I hate living by faith. I hate living by faith. Like, just give my husband a job with insurance and a paycheck. I don't care how little money we make as long as I just know that a paycheck's coming. And, um, and I was, like, frantically looking for my own job during this time. Like, everything was just frantic. I was in just panic mode. And I'm feeling so insecure. So my life was like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. I felt like it was just, like, kind of out of control and, um, like, very out of control. And our house was going to be foreclosed, like, like I say, like at 5 o'clock the next day. So I... Um, as I'm, as I'm crying out to God, he gives me a vision. Do I have any artists in here? Who's the artist that can just draw a little thing for me? Anybody? Who? Can somebody draw me something? No? Okay, good. Draw a palm tree on that side and a palm tree on this side. It can sort of be, sort of be a stick thing. A palm tree on this side. Mm-hmm. And perfect. And then a palm tree on the exact other opposite side. And then between it is hanging a hammock. And, uh, and on the ground, you can see sand and waves, okay? <clears throat> and waves. Mm-hmm. Because the hammock and these palm trees is hanging on the beach, okay? It's hanging on the beach. And you can draw a stick figure if you want of me laying in the hammock. <laughs> and, and I was wearing a hat, and the hat was down on my face, like it was shaded like as if I was napping. And thank you so much. That was awesome talent. And uh, with red lipstick. <laughs> and I, he gave me this vision, y'all, like it was a movie, like a picture, like just this picture. And he said, Trina, in the most sweet voice, now, this is his response to me saying, I hate living by faith. <laughs> like, that's a hard life living by faith. I hate it. 
you know, and I know I don't get it. It's something I'm not getting here. Because I know it says without faith it's impossible to please God, so please help me. So in this moment, he says, I'm sorry. I felt so loved. He said, I'm sorry you feel that way because that's not the way I meant it to be. I meant it to be like, and then he showed me this picture, like you're laying in a hammock on a beach between two palm trees, the Father and God, uh, the Father God and Jesus on the right. You feel that breeze in the hammock with you, that's the Holy Spirit. You're just completely relaxed because we got this. But you've believed a lie that that ground beneath you is security, that this world, this earth is secure and solid, but it's really sand and it comes and goes. Everything's temporary. Comes and goes, comes and goes. You never even know how high the water's going to come. You never know. But you believe the lie, so you're trying to stand up in the hammock to feel the ground. As you're trying to stand up, you're going... Lay down. Stop being hysterical. Stop panicking. Stop being afraid. You're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of being alone. You're afraid of not having any money. You're afraid of being homeless. You're afraid of being broke. You're afraid of your house being foreclosed tomorrow because your car was repossessed yesterday. And you're afraid of all these things. And all these things are worldly things. And you thought that that ground was secure. But if you would just lay me, that's what I wanted a life of faith to be. Just very relaxing. I was like, oh, come to think of it, I need a nap. So <laughs> I walked back into my house. I grabbed my keys. And I went to the Christian bookstore. And I spent my last $10 on another CD. And the songs were about, um, there was a song on there about be still and know I am God. Clearly I needed that song. So when I get up to the cash register, there's a magnet with my picture on it. I'm sorry, I didn't bring it. I didn't think about it. There's a magnet with that picture on it. That picture, my picture, the exact picture of my vision was this magnet. It's on my refrigerator at home. And it says, pure bliss. And the really teeny tiny print, pure bliss. And I'm just like, that's what I want. I want peace. I want pure bliss. I just want peace. I just want peace. I want pure bliss. No more striving. And y'all want to know something interesting? Psychology and brain scans, neuroscience proves that growth, maturity, happens when you are at rest. You're, you might have remembered when your kids were little that when they're in a growth spurt, if they're sleeping a lot, they're in a growth spurt. Yeah. We can't grow spiritually while we're in panic mode, while we're in fear, while we're trying to stand up in the hammock. God's like, I need you to rest in me to have that peace, Give up trying to understand. Give up trying to figure out. Y'all, my house is going to foreclose at 5 o'clock the next day. And God's telling me, just rest. Just 
trust. Um, that was my moment when everything changed. Those two things. I came home from the, from the Christian bookstore. <laughs> I listened to the song about being still, and I could not get through the song. And I had to keep rewinding it because I'm like, I cannot get through the song without, like, there's something wrong with me, without my mind racing about getting a job, getting a job, getting a job. We're going to foreclose. Should I pack today? Should I pack today? What do I do? Do I pack up the whole house when they foreclose? Do they take everything? Do they just, like, come in? Like, how does that work? Like, but my mind was so racing. Where are we going to go? Are we going to go to a hotel? Should we go? Should I pack clothes? Should we go to a hotel tonight? Should we go to a, I mean, uh, my mind was racing so fast, I could not get through the song. I'm like, oh, thank you. I'm in bad shape. I can't get through the song. So. I got home, and I got through the whole song, and I walked in, and I said to my husband, I'm changing. I'm changing. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of wanting the things of this world. I don't care if we're homeless. I don't care. I don't know where we're going to live tomorrow when they foreclose on our house. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't care if I'm broke. I don't care. My father's going to feed me. He feeds the birds. He's never, he's never failed me. He's never left anybody that loves him. He's going to be faithful. You know what? I'm tired of worrying. I'm not going to nag you anymore. I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm done. And my husband was so relieved. He's like, he said, I'm done too. He said, I'm never going back. He said, I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm never going back seeking success. I'm never going back seeking money. I'm never going back. I'm trusting God 100% from now on. I'm never going back trying to do it on my own. I can't. I'm done. So that was the turning point. And I got to tell you, well, you've read the story. We still live in the house. To this day, we still live in it. It has seven bedrooms, and it's full of people that need a place to stay. Why do you think I house people that are in transition, that don't have a home for the minute? And need a place to stay. Why? Because I've got compassion on them. You better believe I don't judge them. That was almost me. If it wasn't for the grace of God, not my own works, for the grace of God, you know, I, uh, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have had that. But if you're curious about the rest of the story, it's on my website. And Tiffany even has that email that shares it a little bit. It's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, my husband sold um, a, a, a ridiculous amount of roofs that week. And um, we... We made a payment, like, I want to say like a $5,000 payment or something, to uh, Western Union five minutes before 5 o'clock. Yeah. Anyway, the rest is history. Let me tell you what, God can be trusted. Say that. Say that loud. Yes. My husband's story is amazing. Amazing. <clears throat> TrinaTitusLozano.com. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think you can find it there. Um, I want to get through some more questions real quick. Um, I seem to have a fuse when it comes to patients with my kids. Some days the fuse is longer than others. Um, okay, that fuse is an anger problem. And to get to the root of your anger, um, I, I, think, I think really you need counseling. Um, whoever asked this question, anger is a result of hurt, wounds that need to be healed. And that'll, if you get a good counselor, they'll help you work through that. Anger is a result of fear, of, of, um, of frustration. No matter what your efforts are, you're unsuccessful. No one's listening to you. Nothing's happening. It makes you 
you, you feel, and so then you move to a place of fear. And it's a vicious cycle. You do need counseling. Give that to the Lord. But don't underestimate. If you guys are having outbursts of anger, um, to go, please get counseling. Because counseling is a beautiful thing. You don't have to be like a horrible person. Literally, everyone needs counseling. Um, and it's such a good thing. But, yeah, it's not your kids. It's you. And you need to overcome this. Anger is a big deal. You need to find the root of the problem. It would be like, you know, you, you get th- things that hurt you make you mad. When people don't listen, it makes you mad. When you don't have control over things, it makes you mad. But it's not all that stuff. It's just the fact that you're not healed. I've got a scar on my arm right here from a car accident when I was 16 years old. And you know what? If I put lotion or salt or something like on that, I'd be, I'd be like, ah, get that off. It'd make me mad because it hurt. But the problem isn't the lotion or the salt. The problem is that I'm not healed. My wound's not healed. So anger's not the problem. The problem is that you're not healed. Um, how do you handle the situation when your, when your husband won't allow the children to attend church? Um, I, I need more information here. I need to know why he won't allow the kids to attend church. I hope that the relationship is good enough that you can have a conversation with him about it, maybe come to some kind of a compromise. Be very slow to speak. Be quick to, to hear him, honor him. You want your home to have an atmosphere of peace and love. You want your husband to feel honored and respected. Um, pray. Don't underestimate the power of prayer in the situation homeschool your kids, teach them the word of God. Um, it's really not about church. You go as often as you can um, and, and ask your husband, is, is it, like, what is it really that you don't want? Is it that you don't want us being gone from home? Is it you don't want, you know, so hopefully there's a conversation about that. Um, how did you walk through forgiveness of your husband's affair? 100% of the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not, it's supernatural. What do I do if I suspect my husband is involved in pornography? More than likely he is. More than likely most husbands are involved in pornography. It's a very godly man that's been set free from the bondage of sin. It's very real. Um, pray, 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 pray. This is a bad addiction. And um, a marriage cannot survive when there's chronic addictions, chronic abuse, chronic anger, chronic adultery, chronic, uh, these chronic things, a marriage cannot survive. It's not a marriage. A relationship can't function in that atmosphere. Jesus can't even have a relationship with you when you've got these chronic things. Thank you so much. And so, um, so if it is chronic, then, you know, you, you just, you have to, um, it's devastating to the marriage. Any of these things can be recovered from, but a marriage can't survive when it's chronic and when the person that is involved in either addiction, abuse, anger, and all those things, adultery, if they don't admit that there's a problem, then, then it, and if they're not repentant and they want to hold on to that, then they're making a choice for that rather than the marriage. But um, you don't want to necessarily give them an ultimatum right away, but it does take conversation. But for step one, pray, 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 pray. And don't go into panic mode. Just pray. Just pray. And ask God for revelation, like I said before, what to do. Um, how do you handle or can you talk about? Oh, lack of libido uh, in women in sex life. A healthy, mar- a healthy sex life in a, in a marriage is between three and seven days a week. It's quite often, actually. If you're having sex less than once a week, it's going to become problematic, and it's going to affect the unity of your relationship. So once a week is minimum. When you get older, maybe libido um, or feelings, um, you know, or for sex is uh, less. Um, if your husband still wants it more than you do, you want to you honor him and continue. You still want to continue that connection, that weekly connection, even if you're having to be sexual in different ways. It's very important. Um, it's part of the unity. It's part of the calling. It's what, it's what is the difference of you being friends and being actually married. So it's, it's very important. Don't underestimate the purity and the beauty of that. 
Um, so if you lack libido, remember that remember your identity is, is that you're a wife that chooses to love and give and serve whether you feel like it or not. So it's not really about whether you have libido or not. It's nice when you do. And actually, it's like anything else. The more you do, the more you can do. The less you do, the less you can do. The more you do, the more you want to do. The less you do, the less you want to do. So it goes that way in your sex life also. Um, how's my marriage now? My marriage is absolutely fabulous now. A complete miracle by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, if you and your husband um, don't agree on how to punish your children, what should you do? Um, one way, if you don't agree on anything, a trick is to say you're right. And that's kind of confusing because it's like, you know, if your husband, depends, I don't know the situation, if the husband's saying do this and you're going, you, why? Like, that's not right. Like, I don't want to. And so it's a contentious woman. Proverbs 31 talks about a contentious woman who's an argumentative woman. So when you argue and they have a difference of opinion, which they will, they're different than you. They have a different perspective. They have a different opinion. They have a different upbringing. They have a different reason why they want to do everything differently. When it comes to your kids, you need to honor your husband, respect your husband, communicate with him about it. But if you guys don't have any communication, then of course, pray, submit to him. And then, and then what you want to do is you, um, you want to communicate. And the way that the conversation should start is, you know, you're right. If they say, um, you shouldn't ground them or you should ground them. I don't, I don't know what the situation is. Um, or you, you need to take away their cell phone or you shouldn't take away their cell phone. Just say whatever it is. Say, you know, you're right. You're right. And then that immediately gives you unity, puts you on the same page. And then, then you can say, because you know, really, they're not 100% right. But, but they have a point, you know. So you go, you're right. And then when they relax, because they, like, put their guard up and they're going to be defensive to defend their point, And then you guys are in a fight. And that's not helpful at all. That's counterproductive. And the kids are going to be more damaged. It's, it's, yeah. So what you want to do is you want to say, you're right. And I'll bring you into unity. And then you can very gently ease your way into communicating about it. Say, you know, you're right. You probably should take away um, their cell phone. What, what are your thoughts about that? Like, if they were stranded, something like, we, do you think we should do this or do that? Or what do you think we should do instead? Or tell me more about how you came to that conclusion. And then let them talk. Tell you why they came to that conclusion. And be like, great. And then maybe, they'll, maybe, maybe they'll be like, so, well, I was thinking maybe this. But, I mean, you're probably, you're, you're right. I mean, how about maybe this and this and then maybe, you know, whatever. But if you say right, you're right, it'll open the conversation. They'll know that you're hearing them, and it'll remind you to listen to them first before you speak your opinion that you think is more important than theirs. Does that make sense? That's a trick that works in any relationship. Okay. All right, y'all. My time is up. Um, and this one, actually, I, I tell, tell me how an adult can overcome childhood bullying and those feelings. Um, you do need counseling if there's been childhood bullying because it affects your core identity. And our core identity, Jesus puts things in a nutshell, and I'll conclude with this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we're loving Jesus first. We've got a good connection, solid connection with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And then who do you love next? Yourself. And then you love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, then you can't receive and, and give love correctly to everyone else. Your neighbor meaning everyone, literally everyone. Um, so you, if, if there's still a core a problem with your value and you think, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not fill in the blank, I'm not 
fill in the blank enough, I'm not enough, then you won't be able to, you don't have a revelation that the Holy Spirit needs to give you about your own value. You don't have um, a revelation so that you can give, so you, you can ask your pastor or a counselor to help you heal the wounds that bullying caused that destroy your self-esteem. But your self-esteem is actually, is, is ultimately from Jesus and it's really not from anybody. It really, people can't take it away or give it to you. It's really your own personal responsibility to realize your value. Thank you.